Monday, April 17th. Success. Finally, I have a viable queen. I'd almost given up hope, but now, it's actually worked. She hatched this morning. This is the solution to colony collapse disorder, I'm certain of it. With enough genes from the Asian giant hornet, the western honeybee will be stronger, more resilient. My only disappointment is that the university never agreed. Having to do all this work on my farm, in a rather substandard laboratory, hasn't made it as easy as it would have been with access to better facilities and a ready supply of ambitious postgrads. All this time in the lab has put some strain on my marriage too. I wish my husband could see this as the critical development that it is, but sadly, he does not. Tuesday, April 25th. I am at a loss for what to do next. The queen has been in suitable containment for more than a week. I provided food, both the sort required by bees and hornets, yet she has not begun nest building. She's fed, she's healthy, and I made sure she was inseminated before I released her, but nothing. If she won't nest, if she won't start a colony, then this whole project is for nothing. My husband, of course, says that the whole thing is a failure. He seems to be taking an unnecessary amount of glee in this. Wednesday, April 26th. This is my last attempt to get the queen to nest. The only thing that I can think might be wrong is that the containment is too unnatural. As part of the farm, I have constructed an experimental indoor pig pen to alleviate the worst aspects of factory farming while encouraging rapid growth. It includes internal access to a series of glass houses that recycle the atmosphere and are filled with flowering plants. This afternoon, I will release the queen into that environment in the hopes that the nest sterile situation will encourage her to nest. There is some risk, of course. I am sure there are spiders and mice in the pig's facility. Any of those could easily kill the queen, but I must take the risk. I have spent too much time and money on this project. She is tagged with a gene that will light her up under a UV light. I should have no trouble finding her. Thursday, April 26th. Disaster. The queen has vanished. This is terrible. After giving her a good 24 hours to start nesting, I went back out to the pen this afternoon and found nothing. I switched on the UV lights, flooding the pen. She should have lit up like a firefly at midnight, but nothing. She's gone, and I don't know how. Even if she'd been taken by a spider, her body should have flashed up brightly enough to be seen. It's devastating. All my work, for nothing. At least my husband has offered some support, though he seems to think that I have now finished with this project. I can't. It's too important. Thursday, May 10th. There is a hive. I wish it were different, but the experiment seems to have seriously altered the nesting behavior of the animal. The facility is almost totally automated, but I monitor it at times with closed-circuit cameras. This morning I noticed something odd, a single sow, standing by herself, not moving, and very obviously being avoided by the rest of the drove. Suspecting she was ill, I focused the camera in on her and got the shock of my life. There was movement around her mouth. Closer examination showed the bees flying in and out of every body orifice. They've nested inside a living animal. I have no choice, I will euthanize the pig and the hive tomorrow morning. 
Friday, May 11th. The pig is dead. My cameras caught the action last night while I slept. The bee swarmed out of the animal, and it just collapsed. The swarm then moved across the facility, causing understandable mayhem among the other pigs. Then, as if at some unseen command, they descended on a porso. They stunned her multiple times, seemingly paralyzing her, then they entered, en masse, through her nose and mouth. It was hideous to watch. Carefully protected, I entered the facility and removed the body of the first animal. It's in my laboratory. I will dissect it tomorrow. I can't face it right now, it's too much. Based on the amount of time between the vanishing of the queen and the pig's death, I imagine I have plenty of time to study what they did to that animal before I need to euthanize the swarm. The pig they have currently infected is as good as dead. Nothing I can do now will save it, and I feel certain remorse at the thought of having to kill the animal I spent so much time creating. Saturday, May 12th. I have completed my study of the dead pig. It is amazing. Virtually all the internal organs, from the brain back to the large intestine, have been removed, chewed away from the inside. Most of the body cavity has been replaced by an extensive nest infrastructure. At various points, there are strange waxy cell-like structures attached directly to the main muscles. I would hypothesize that the bees somehow connect themselves to the animal's musculature and keep it erect. In survival terms, it is fantastic camouflage. No predator of bees is likely to look for them in a pig. Much of the nest is filled with thick golden honey. I have extracted it, but I cannot bring myself to taste it, not when I know where it has come from. Sunday, May 13th. The honey is amazing. I left it in the fridge, and my husband had some for breakfast. He raved about it. I decided to try a taste myself, and he wasn't wrong, which makes a change. I have never tasted anything like this in my life. It's such a pity that I will have to destroy the hive that produced it. Wednesday, May 16th. My husband has convinced me. I will keep the hive alive, at least for the short term. Without telling me, he'd sent a sample of the honey to one of our customers. They loved it and will pay top dollar for more. Sadly, my husband is right, we need the money. My research has drained our bank accounts, and the extra infusion of cash will undoubtedly be helpful. I can't say I like the idea of sacrificing the pigs in this fashion, but they were slated to be eaten anyway. Friday, May 25th. The hive has split. This is odd. Usually, a hive remains stable through the year until the spring, when the queens mate and fly off to set up new hives. That's not what happened in the pig facility. I watched on the CCTV as they departed the now dead pig, and then it split into two distinct swarms. Each swarm infected a different pig. If this continues, then we'll start to see exponential growth in the swarms. I'm not sure I like that idea, but my husband is ecstatic, more swarms mean more honey. He's counting the income already. Saturday, June, 28th. We now have 16 hives in the pig facility. The biggest problem we have now is the lack of further host animals. The initial drove of pigs is almost totally depleted. The demand for our honey, though, is through the roof. 
We could charge anything we wanted, and the customers would pay. My husband has already bought a new car, which he claims is what he deserves for supporting me for so long. I think he should be investing in further pigs. Monday, June 30th. We introduced new animals for the hives. Chickens, goats, whatever we could find. The bees don't seem to mind, they infected whatever they could find when they left their hosts. I will be interested to see if this changes their behavior in any way, and what impact it has on their honey production. Wednesday, August 13th. It has been difficult to find time to write this journal. The hives continue to split. We have had to add two more containment facilities to the farm. The hive's behavior has become harder to track too. The different body weight of the host animal seems to influence how fast they move on. Interestingly, the taste of the honey differs depending on the host animal, though it is always of excellent quality and taste, and demand has, if anything, increased. I have a suspicion that the bees are integrating some aspect of the host's genetic material, but this will take further study to confirm. I tried a little experiment, feeding honey samples to uninfected animals, and they show a definite preference for the honey produced by hives in their species. I've become so busy organizing the hives, studying their behavior, and investigating the honey that I've left the more practical side of things to my husband. Today he and my sister are buying further stock to allow us to increase production. I still shudder every time I watch a hive enter a new host, but as we are so successful, I cannot see that as a justification to stop production. I'll deal with the ethics of the situation another day, when I have a fuller understanding of what I've created. Saturday, August 16th. While I began this journal as a private record of my research, I must now add a personal note. My husband has been stealing money from me. This morning, I had some time to go over our finances, and I immediately noticed that a significant amount had been siphoned off to his personal account. I confronted him about this, and he didn't bother denying it. Instead, he claimed our marriage was over years ago, and that he just stayed with me till I made enough money to make divorce worthwhile. I have my suspicions that there is more to it than even that. I'm devastated. At the time of my most tremendous professional success, I have to face such a betrayal. Monday, August 18th. What a terrible accident. I cannot write more at this time. Monday, September 1st. The latest strain of honey is the best I've ever been able to create. My sister loved it, raved over it. So I guess I was right about the genetic transfer. Tuesday, September 2nd. I feel a need to document the source of the newest strain. I will admit that my latest experiment was, to a certain degree, a response to my husband's obvious betrayal. To his credit, he was still helping with the final checkout of the new containment facility, probably to secure his continued income. He was in the new facility, I was in the lab running the controls from my computer there. I noticed movement in the old facility, one of the swarms had abandoned its host and was seeking a new one. The connecting passage to the new facility was blocked by a set of shutters. The keystrokes were easy, and I typed them almost unthinkingly, alarm underscore off, doorlocks underscore engage. Then I paused. I had done nothing irreversible at that point. 
I could let him out again, and he would be none the wiser. I looked down at my desk, at the letter I'd found in his jacket. I'd have recognized the smell of the cheap and tacky perfume, even if she hadn't signed it. I typed the final instructions, shutter underscore open. Hitting the enter key was so satisfying, so was the look of utter panic on his face. He raced around the room, trying the doors, all locked, of course. Then he started shouting into the camera mic. The screams were terrible, so I shut the audio off. The rest of the process I could follow on video. That was on the 18th. I wrote at the time that there had been an accident, but that was more to cover myself in case someone came looking. In the interests of science, I feel I should be more honest now. My sister came here yesterday. She seemed uneasy, worried, as if she was missing something. Of course, I was the perfect host. I offered her some of my newest batches, served on hot scones. She was ecstatic, swore it was the most amazing thing she'd ever tasted, almost addictive. I'd expected that. It was one of the reasons I never tried it myself. When I asked her if she wanted to see where it came from, she was excited and hesitant. Only after I offered her the use of a bonnet and suit did she agree. I could understand that, she worked with my husband enough to know what we were doing out here. When we entered the containment, she saw my husband and took a couple of quick steps toward him. She stopped, though, when she was close enough to see him properly. It is always a little disconcerting to see the insects emerging and entering from the various orifices, mouth, nose, ear. She screamed, quite loudly. Of course, that was my signal to plunge the sedative into her. Her legs wobbled, and I only had enough time to slide the seat under her before she collapsed. I checked, she was still perfectly conscious, just unable to move her limbs, so I swung the chair to let her face my husband directly, to see what he'd become. Knowing I had her full attention, I pointed out the small incision in his abdomen where I'd extracted the honey she'd eaten. She made a gurgling noise that I took to be some form of disgust. She looked quite ill. I don't know why. From the letters I had found, she was obviously quite familiar with his anatomy. I studied him more closely. I have no idea how much brain function he had left, but his body was still reacting slightly. I touched his arm and saw a muscle twitch. I pointed this out to my sister. She was looking almost as white as the walls of the facility. Then I pointed to his eyes. They flickered, seeming to follow my movement, and occasionally lingering on my sister. There must still be some awareness in there, some feeling as the insects busily ate away his insides. Then his body convulsed. I'd been expecting it, but even I was a little shocked by the spasms that rocked it. You would almost have thought it was jerking in agony. Involuntarily, I took a step back. The swarm seemed to burst out of him, streaming out of his mouth, his nose, even tearing their way through his eyes. The body sagged and would have fallen to the ground if I hadn't taken the precaution of tying it to a pipe. The swarm came toward me, angling for my face. Did they detect carbon dioxide exhalation? I must test that one day. My specially reinforced bonnet kept them away from my skin, and they buzzed around my head, almost seeming angry at their impotence. That's when I told my sister about the weak spot in her bonnet, the little cut I'd made. It was almost comical seeing her trying to move her drugged arm to her face. 
The look of fear, combined with the look of utter concentration as she struggled with the effects of the drug, was a delight. I walked slowly over to her, the insects buzzing angrily around my head. Then I knelt down beside her and whispered in her ear, You'll make lovely honey, dear, just like him. It's your last chance to share something corporeal. The insects found the hole in her bonnet and started crawling in. Her eyes went wide, her eyeballs almost popping out of her face as she tried to follow their movements. She shut her mouth tight, of course, but they soon found her nose and started inside. Her head jerked and shook, but she couldn't stop them. Her whole body jerked, and then sat still. Obviously, they have some way of paralyzing their hosts. I was pretty sure she was still aware, both of the insects busy at work inside her, and of me, so I spent the next hour reading all of her old love letters to my husband back to her. The only part of her that moved was her eyes, they stared at me, imploring me to do something. But why would I? Once I was sure the hive had settled, and the movement of the insects in and out of her nose seemed to confirm that, I left. I'll strip the honey out of her body in another two weeks, when they finished with her. Monday, September 8th. I sent the rest of the honey from my husband to one of my clients. He's demanding, almost begging for, more. I finally cracked my husband's phone. There are other female names in there. I think I'll have enough hosts for a while.